Welcome to Arguments with Words, the podcast where prop tech and mortgage leaders meet to talk marketing, branding, and the future of real estate. Now here's your host, Neil Helsper. All right, welcome to the show. Today we're here with Madison Rifkin, who is founder and CEO of Mount. Madison, thanks for joining us. Yes, thanks for having me on. First, let's just dive into what Mount is. So explain to us the basic promise of Mount and, and who you're serving. So the way I like to describe Mount is starting with the mission we're on, which is to change the way we travel, which means our mission is to get everyone traveling with just a backpack and then renting pretty much anything you need in destination. So that could be unique clothing, hiking boots, purses, bikes, scooters, golf carts, skis, snowboards, goggles, like the list goes on. And the way we like to look at doing this is, you know, we're a peer-to-peer platform, but we're really facilitating the experiences when you travel. You know, we want you to have this memorable vacation not once in a lifetime trip, but pretty much every time you travel. And that's the mission we're on. Now, specifically how we do this is we will connect your accommodation provider. So that could be your Airbnb host, could be your hotel, resort, whoever it may be. They will now be powered by Mount and be the ones responsible with giving you all of their local recommendations of gear to rent, experiences to go on, anything you'd need while you're traveling. And that's what Mount is powering. That's awesome. That idea of traveling with less definitely resonates with me. I mean, even like we even taking a driving trip with my family, like to a place we can drive to, our SUV is like packed and we didn't even bring anything to do, you know? So that idea of like enabling more experiences when you get there and then also putting those within reach and like giving you ideas of what to do during your trip, that's really powerful. I love that. Yeah, exactly. That's the whole premise. And I think we're very fed up with bag fees and lost bags. Yeah. The whole airline industry in general is going through some turmoil, it seems like. Uh, so the more uninvolved we can be with that chaos, the better. <laughs> you had kind of an interesting entrepreneurship journey, I think, uh, the path to founding Mount. Can you tell us about kind of where that started, some of the other ideas you had, and how that led you to the eventual founding of Mount? Yeah, absolutely. It is definitely an interesting one. My whole entrepreneurial journey started when I was 12 years old. And that's where Mount Locks actually officially started. And it was a bike lock company. And so I had, I had invented this bike lock when I was that age, got a patent for it as well. Didn't quite know what else what was involved in starting a company, but I did know I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I wanted to be a CEO and hopefully eventually change the world. That's kind of what started me on this journey. And then I ended up at Northeastern University. To no one's surprise, my major was entrepreneurship. <laughs> and nice. that's kind of when I started forming a true company. It was called Mount Locks and stood up a supply chain in China, was building bike locks. Those then became scooter locks. Uh, and then I worked alongside Bird, Lime, Uber, Lyft, all of the scooter companies and watched them become billion-dollar companies, needing help on locking infrastructure, dealing with the cities that were requiring locks, and was just in that industry in the throw of it for about a year and a half, two years. And then COVID hit and we had to rethink entirely what we were doing because the scooters were being used less. It was a very hard hit industry. And that's how I ended up in the short-term rental Airbnb world was a majority of people riding scooters. I am guilty of this as well, are tourists, even to this yeah. day. Like we use it as an amazing way to get around town, experience it from kind of just a little faster than walking. And it was just so much fun. It was like an experience, not just a scooter rental. And so that's the premise we took into the Airbnb world. And that's how we got on this journey of facilitating these, these once-in-a-lifetime experiences, but every time you travel. You did something there that I think great entrepreneurs do. And I love hearing these 
stories of how ideas evolve, which is you kind of rode the wave of all those trends. Like it started with one thing and then it merged into another thing. And the place, the place you eventually got to seems kind of far ideal wise from where you started, but it was all like a fluid journey with you adapting to market conditions. That's cool. Yeah, definitely. It's funny. It's, I mean, yeah, if you just hear the the first idea and the end idea, very different. But then when you dive into how the pivots came to be, it was really truly because we were listening to the customer. Markets were changing so quickly. COVID changed everything. And then, you know, while I was doing all of these pivots and changes to mount, I was actually nomadic traveling. So I was experiencing firsthand a lot of these issues mount is now solving where I had to pick up everything I had bring a duffel bag to Hawaii. And I lived there for three months while I was doing a startup accelerator. So one, I had to find a place to live. And then two, there was so much fun stuff to do there. And I had none of it. I didn't have a snorkel. I didn't have a beach chair. Didn't even have a beach towel. Really came ill-prepared, but managed to kind of fight my way through it. And every step I would take, I was like, damn, I wish I had Mount because I literally would just whip out my phone, figure out who had a beach chair in the area and go rent it for the day. And that wasn't existing back then. So I was having these experiences as a traveler. And then that's kind of how we pivoted was like, all right, I've seen this use case. Let's see if other people have it. Talk to this traveler community and, and keep moving forward. Now, when you when you started the bike lock company called Mount, and then you eventually owned the current company called Mount, like from a branding perspective, did you consider changing the name once you got to your endpoint? I mean, you're kind of in a cool... It's kind of like a nice mistake that I think the name works, but what was the, like, did you get to a point where you're like, wait, does this name still work? Do I have to rebrand this? Like, what was the, what was the process there? Yeah, it's funny. You know, we've always kind of had to tweak the name slightly. Like it was originally Mount Locks, uh, partly because the lock mounted too, but it didn't come off. And then, then we became not a lock company. So I was like, just drop the word lock. We became Mount. And then most recently people have been calling us Rent Mount because we are facilitating a lot of rental uh, peer to peer. I was like, oh, that's really interesting. But yeah, we have a lot of confused people out there who have started from the beginning of locks and then fell off the the path of following who we are and are like, oh, are you guys? Yeah, <laughs> check in with Madison. What, what yeah. is lock company? Um, yeah. So we are in the midst of a big rebrand. I don't think our name is going to change just because it is out there now. People understand what Mount is, what we're doing. But I do think you're going to see some good website updates, some branding images changing and and all that stuff just to get everyone entire world on the same page as, Hey, here's Mount, here's what we're doing. And we're changing the way we travel. (laughs) You mentioned like a few different, you have a few different target audiences. You have the short-term rental, multifamily hotels. How are you seeing your audiences using Mount so far? And what are the, like, do they have a different approach to it? Are they using it for different things? What's your experience been like with that? You know, it's super interesting because we do kind of have three stakeholders. We have our main travelers that are nomadic. They want to do stuff on their own time and just tap into this unique ecosystem we're building. And then we have the traditional marketplace side of it that is the supply. So the rentable gear, excursions, experiences, and they all work together. But I think the best way I can sum it up, and actually it's funny, I was on a webinar yesterday where we had one of our big vendor partners, Ski Butlers. They do ski and snowboard rentals. Yeah. On, and then we had a very large property manager on too. They have about 160 properties in around Utah. They summed it up perfectly because Ski Butlers was basically saying, you know, we love selling through Airbnb, through property managers, because that's where the guests are. And they deliver the skis and snowboards to the properties, but they have no idea who those property managers are. It's not a one size fits all. Airbnb won't tell you who they are. You know, you get right. all that information after you book. Ski yeah. Butler was like, yeah, basically we had to book these properties to figure out who the host was. 
uh, oh to then contact them. Yeah. And then the property manager was really interesting. They're like, yeah, my guest asked me every time they come stay, where should I rent skis? Where should I rent snowboards? What should I be doing? Where should I be going? Like they just get peppered with questions. And they're like, you know, I don't have time in the day to go set up individual relationships with all these vendors. A lot of them aren't even bookable online. So I just tell my guests, basically, I have a copy paste list. I'm like, here's the list. You go figure out how to do it. So Mount actually steps in the middle of that process. We brought ski butlers online. We aggregated all of the properties and then we brought them together and Mount is the facilitator. So we enable guests to plug into that to be able to book all this great stuff through their host. So it does get a little complicated, but if you break it down like that, I think, you know, we have vendors, property managers, travelers. That's great that you're standardizing to that experience between property managers and their guests, because that's a situation right now that is certainly not standardized is like, sometimes your Airbnb or short-term rental host gives you recommendations. Sometimes they don't. Like I just stayed at one where somebody in the review was like, they left so many great recommendations for us. And we got there, we didn't get any recommendations. So it's like, there's no like standard for that. So if you're coming in and helping people digitize that experience and streamline it and making sure people get their recommendations every time, that's making things better for everyone, better for the guest, better for the property manager. That's excellent. Yeah, absolutely. And it's fun too, because we've been finding all these crazy local hidden gems, if you will, where it's like, you know, this local brewery wants to put on a tasting, didn't have the tools to, and they're doing it through Mount now. And now all of the, you know, Airbnbs are local properties, essentially. So all of those guests can now go to that brewery, have that tasting. And it's just really reconnecting these travelers with the local environment, the businesses, and everything that makes a place special. That's great too. Yeah. Things that are seasonal or just one-off events that maybe aren't there the whole summer or the whole season or whatever, but farmer's market, tasting, whatever it is. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. Giving people a a chance to experience the destination like it really is, not just the touristy stuff. That's awesome. (laughs) I know you've had an interesting experience as a, a young female founder, gotten some sketchy advice from people. What's that experience been like in a somewhat established industry? with a lot of existing power players. What is, what's your experience been like? Yeah, you know, it's definitely been very interesting. And I think there's just a lot of talk around being a female founder versus a male founder, what that means and the, the stat. I mean, everyone should know it that, you know, female founders probably get 2% of all funding when it comes to trying to capital raise. And yeah. it's not for a lack of female founders. I can tell you that. It's definitely just, I think, you know, people hold us to different standards. I've, I've felt that. And there's some advice I've gotten out there that when I was really doing this by myself from the beginning, when I first went to college, some people are like, oh, you're the founder. You know, they thought I was like the assistant if I would bring some of my guy friends with me to man the booth. Or some advice out there where it's like, you know, being a solo founder is really tough. People will tell you that. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but they'll tell you that advice and then they'll they'll add on the layer on top. Being a solo female founder, that's impossible. So go find someone to do this with. <laughs> you know, you you need that that co-founder. I think it's why Combinator actually is the one that really talks about needing a strong co-founder. I'm more of the belief you need a strong team. You know, you can get an amazing team behind you. Just make sure that you all are very good at different things. And you don't need this co-founder for lack of better word, bullshit. I think if you looked at the failure of a lot of startups, it's because you picked the wrong co-founder and you couldn't come to the agreement (laughs) of how to move the company forward. Maybe the new model is have one strong visionary and have a ton of executors behind you that can just get it done. <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. Because in in any like creative endeavor, and and a startup is essentially a creative endeavor. Like 
it has to represent somebody's vision. There has to, like you're saying, that visionary. And then whether it's the right thing or not, at least you're going in a clear direction. You're not mm-hmm. trying to do two things at once, watering down a vision between two or three different people. I'm a huge agreement with that. Yeah, I definitely think it'd be interesting. Hopefully someone will do a study on it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'd like to see that proven out like in an actual study. That'd be interesting. Um, you mentioned going through a rebrand and kind of like amping up your marketing efforts a little bit. I'm always interested, what was the catalyst for that? I mean, I have my own experience and my own theories about when founders or or leaders, you know, see the need for for different branding. But what what inspired that for you? Oh, that's a good question. I think it was two things. One, we have a TikTok presence now, which is funny because it used to just be my personal TikTok posting videos about like day in the life of a founder. Here's what I do with, you know. People love those (laughs) day in the life ones. Oh, absolutely. They're really fun. But we uh, had my pitch video go viral, actually. And it got like over half a million views and comments and all this great stuff. And I think that's when we realized we're like, oh, people don't quite understand exactly what we do because they go to the website and they're like, you know, they were commenting. They're like, your website doesn't make any sense. You know, like I'm a traveler. What does that mean for me? I'm a host. What does that mean for me? And I think that's when we really realized, you know, we're a marketplace. We're actually a three-sided marketplace, not a traditional two-sided. And so we have have different stakeholders and they all get something different out of Mount. And if we don't make that very clear up front, it gets very muddled very quickly. And so we were also realizing too, when we'd go into customer demos with property managers, with hosts, that they all had different ideas of what Mount did as well because of the website. And that's when we're like, all right, let's take a step back. Let's really figure out what Mount's true essence is to everyone. And then how does that differ? And that's going to be kind of the brand moving forward. So going through all that right now, which is quite fun. (laughs) It is fun. Yeah. I think think what you're describing is a great indicator. Like if the market, if your partners, your consumers are telling you they don't quite get it, or they're giving a different story back to you than what you're trying to put out there. Yeah. Clear indication that you need some uh, refined messaging and a refined brand. That's great. I always like to ask people this, like, what would you be doing if you weren't in prop tech? Or what is what is it that like about this idea that you love? Like you could get up and do anything you want every day. Why, why this? What is it that drives you? You know, I think the really cool thing about this isn't that we're just touching short-term rentals, Airbnbs, and travelers, but it's really my grand vision that work, travel, and where you live, I think in the next five to 10 years is going to be completely different where, you know, you might have an apartment lease in New York and share apartment leases in five other different cities across the world. And you're maybe staying three months in each and you're just moving. And so my grand vision, and this is why I love being a prop tech is because I think there are not going to be asset classes. We're not going to have offices. We're not going to have apartments, multifamily, Airbnb, short-term rentals. They're all going to kind of be one in the same. You're living, you're working, you're traveling all at the same time. Why shouldn't your asset kind of be able to do all of that and encourage it? So for Mount, the grand vision, yes, we're changing the way people travel, but it's really like, hey, if you have this extra stuff and let's say you are traveling for three months, but at home you have an electric drum set, like rent that out when you're gone. Let other people use your assets. Let's create this entire shared economy, the Airbnb of everything, and just take this to the next level. I mean, it has such a sustainability impact. Right now, travelers are producing double as much waste as a local. Now, if we all become travelers and we all become locals, it's one, we should be producing way less waste. So if we're really elevating the shared economy and making it possible, let's own a lot less, rent a lot more, make it economical for all of us, and hopefully reduce the carbon footprint of travel and just the way we live in general 
by a ton because I think it's about time. <laughs> yeah, you're you're really positioned at the intersection of a lot of trends, the sustainability, the people trying to scale back and and own less. You're right, the flexible kind of living, working, traveling. And I think that's a good prediction. I mean, I think like commercial real estate is gonna have to is, is gonna have to transform into something else because there's too much of it. Like city downtowns are weird places right now, and I don't know that there's any Oh, they're like wastelands at the moment. I was just in, well, San Francisco, even Park City, even downtown Denver. They all kind of eerily are the same where there's just no one there. Yeah. Downtown Denver was like that beforehand. No, no. Oh, uh, absolutely. I mean, I grew up there. I was never a fan. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) No disrespect intended, but that's just how it was. Yeah. But even, even large cities, like I'm from Chicago and, and like all the neighborhoods right now in Chicago are thriving. They're doing awesome. But you go into this, the downtown and it's like, this is weird. Yeah, it's, it's like, kind of like what we used to call the financial town. district of cities. Exactly. Yeah, it's a financial district. Is a strange yeah. place. Yeah, it's going to have to transform. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, if you can solve that as well with everything you're tackling, then <laughs> you got it all figured out. <laughs> I'll add it to the plate. <laughs> yeah. Well, is there anything else you want to shout out, Madison? I mean, I know you're going to do the rebrand, and and we'll look for that. But any upcoming events in the meantime, or or new partnerships you want to speak to? Um, you know, yeah, if you are in kind of the asset class of being a multifamily hotel, resort, even short-term rentals, like we want to talk to you. We want to work with you because we think we can get you set up with some pretty lo- great local amenities and all that stuff. So I would say that's on the horizon. We're throwing a big, huge golf tournament down in Orlando at the end of nice. October to gather our communities, raise some funds for the short-term rentals down in Florida and some advocacy groups. And just honestly, have a great time. I love a good golfing event. So that's yeah, same here. Well, congratulations on what you've accomplished so far. Looking forward to hopefully renting with you at my next boutique hotel or Airbnb stay. And we'll keep looking for it. All right. (laughs) Thanks, Madison. Thanks for listening to Arguments with Words, the mortgage and prop tech branding podcast. To learn more about Neil, connect with him on LinkedIn or visit neilhelsberg.com. 